What is up, ambitious listeners? Welcome back to a brand new episode. So on today's episode, Devon Howard, a physical and talented wide receiver out of Livingstone College joins the show. He's currently an NFL free agent and he joins the show to discuss what that's like during a pandemic among the string of um, upcoming interviews I have with current NFL free agents as we talk about how they're navigating finding a career in a pandemic, which has definitely been an underrated aspect of the pandemic's impact on pro sports is a lot of free agents that may have not been drafted are now having to try to find homes in the midst of a pandemic and some guys like Devon and some of the upcoming guests have had offers and can't even sign them because the leagues have shut down so it's definitely a hard thing for them right now so Devon joins us to discuss that his career and everything he brings to the table as a wide receiver prospect so it's a phenomenal conversation so that is the first layer of this and as I've promised I will be starting to do week by week NFL recaps these are quick little things I guess reminiscent of how Boomer and um, the NFL primetime crew would break down games. It's going to be a quick, quick thing where I'm going to quickly kind of talk about the games, some of the high points, and what this means going forward. Uh, I may not hit every key point of games, but for the most part, I'm going to try to uh, do that. So that is coming up right now after a quick word from our presenting sponsors, Anchor. Here we go, NFL Week 5 Rapid Fire Recap, starting on Thursday night with the Bears and the Bucks. The Bears, at this point, we're going into this game 3-1, looking to silence the doubters, saying that this 3-1 start was a fluke. Well, they certainly did that as they bumped up to 4-1 with a 20-19 victory over the kind of embarrassing bucks this sounds strange to say but when your star quarterback who is getting up there a little bit forgets what down you're on that's a little concerning but nonetheless the bucks actually have looked like a very good team to this point this is definitely the kind of game that can get lauded as a trap game where the bears came to play and specifically nick Foles, who is absolutely tom brady's daddy to this point and has absolutely owned him and made him his child. But aside from that, the Bears defense looked phenomenal, and Khalil Mack looks like the best player on the field for the Chicago Bears, who are now 4-1. and one. Heading to the Houston Texans and Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars coming off a loss. The Texans coming off the firing of Bill O'Brien, who was their offensive coordinator, head coach, general manager, probably part owner, team trainer, and just everything under the sun. Well, he's gone. Romeo Cornell takes the reins and leads them to a 30-14 victory where everything finally looked like the old Houston Texans in an absolute hammering of Minshew Mania as they take out the Jaguars 30-14. to And then we move to Baltimore where the Ravens took a 27-3 to win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow with absolutely zero blocking and Joe Mixon failing to follow up that phenomenal performance in Week 4 leads the team to get blown out by the Ravens in a quiet Sunday afternoon victory. A game that got a man fired. We head to Atlanta where the Panthers and Teddy Two Gloves shut down the Falcons 23-16. to No CMC, no problem, as Mike Davis leads that backfield to a pounding over the Falcons. The front 
five seven looked really good for that Panthers team. I kind of adjusted there because some of it was a little rocky. They were able to stuff the Falcons, who moved to O and five, and Dan Quinn is out of Atlanta. We move to Kansas City, where the Raiders beat the Chiefs. 40-32, to 32, the Raiders came to play and looked like contenders, while the Chiefs looked like they forgot to show up to Arrowhead Stadium. Nonetheless, the Chiefs moved to 4-1, and one, and the Raiders moved to playoff contention. Then we head to Florham Park to an extent where the New York Jets got smacked around by the Arizona Cardinals in a 30-10 to 10 victory that seemed like it was a lot, a lot farther apart. Kyler Murray maybe getting a little bit of that juice back, but the story was Chase Edmonds outplaying Kenyon Drake once again. The Cardinals' defense looked phenomenal against Joe Flacco and the backups in New York. But also, a note in this game, the Cardinals failed to continue to have discipline, and this team just looks like a mess in terms of that right now. But in terms of getting some boost of energy, a 30-10 to 10 win over the floundering Jets. We'll do that for you. In a game that was an absolute phenomenal performance by two wide receivers, the Steelers beat the Eagles 38-29 to 29 to continue to be undefeated for the Steelers in their return off their COVID bye week. The Eagles, after coming off a Sunday night football win, get shut down. Travis Fulgham looked really good with over 150 receiving yards. But the story of the game was Chase Claypool, the Canadian Megatron, with four scores. That's four, not one, not two, not three, four. Keep that in mind, Tom Brady. And also the same amount of rings that LeBron James now has. The Steelers beat the Eagles in a battle of Pennsylvania, 38-29. to the Rams beat the Washington football team 30-10. to 10. The story of this game was the return of Alex Smith, who, as much as we may like him, we pray every time he takes a hit, and he took six of them in his outing on Sunday. Kyle Allen went down, Smith went in. With Haskins benched, Smith remains now the only active quarterback unless they decide to bring Haskins back. But 30-10, to 10, the Rams looked great. They have continued to look refined. Daryl Henderson, a little shaky last week against the Giants, but he came to play this week with a score and then some. And Jared Goff continuing to make a campaign this year that he is not just a game manager. We head to San Francisco with the floundering 49ers as they got hammered by, by the Dolphins. Sorry, got a little choked up there kind of saying the Dolphins, who are now 2-3, and three, beating the 49ers to bring them just to the depths of disappointment is the best way to put it. I mean, this is a 49ers team coming off a Super Bowl last year, and they are an injured mess this year. But the Dolphins look better than a 2-3 and three team. They pounded them 43-17 to 17 as everything went right for Miami. The Cowboys in Dallas at Jerry World, 37-34, to 34, take down the Giants. Graham, Golden Boot, Gano looked phenomenal for the Giants, scoring 20 of their points. As for Dallas, though, the story of this game, and actually taking a break from being a little energetic here, um, prayers go out to Dak Prescott after that gruesome ankle injury. I mean, this is a guy who already had to battle back from his brother passing away in the offseason and in the midst of a pandemic, and then also now having to likely have a season-ending injury in a 
crucial year for his development, which he was already balling out and likely leading that Cowboys team to a contention in the playoffs this year. And that's not a big thing to say in the and um and the NFC East, but still, Dak Prescott, prayers go out to you, and hopefully, uh, for the sake of the Cowboys, as much as we all love to hate them, hopefully they can turn it around and he'll get back at some point and be able to be a long-term fixture in that team. Nonetheless, the Cowboys etch out the win, 37-34. We head to the dog pound in Cleveland, where the Browns look to stop the Colts and Phillip Flippin' Rivers as he, they got taken down 32-23. to the Colts and Bobby Okereke on defense could not do anything for that Cleveland Browns attack. OBJ threw an absolute pooper of a pass, and it just was a uh, nine-point win for that Browns team. And shout-out to that rush defense and the rushing attack. They are just the crucial points of that Browns team to this point. We head to Seattle, Sunday Night Football, the game potentially of the year to this point. In a 27-26 win, the story of this was this could be that kind of resume win that we look back on for Russell Wilson as the Seahawks head to 5-0 and and the Vikings to a shocking 1-4. They came to play this game, but the game before, they have not. Yannick Ngakwe has done nothing since moving to Minnesota. Kirk Cousins has been putrid this year, but in Seattle, this is a victory tour, and already mounting a case to be the number one team in football. Russell Wilson looked phenomenal yet again, and maybe he'll get more than one MVP vote this year. That is my week five recap, and we will continue to do this in the coming weeks in some kind of fashion. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed this little recap of week five. There are still two Monday night games to come. My predictions for that is Saints over the Chargers, but Joe Burrow looks, or not Joe Burrow, um, Herbert looks phenomenal, and I believe that the Bills and Titans, if they play on Tuesday night football, the Bills will win, but hopefully there's no more positives in Tennessee's camp. But nonetheless, I think Los Angeles will look impressive, but the Saints etch out a win, and the Bills will be the Titans once they finally step on the field. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the Week 5 recap and Week 5 preview of the final two games. We'll be back next week with another recap of that, but stay on because Davon Howard joins us next after a quick word from a sponsor. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is a versatile, big-bodied wide receiver. He's a Livingstone College product, current pro football free agent, an absolute beast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Devon Howard. Devon, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. So, I'm going to go right to the start, I guess, of um, your football career. So I'm going to ask you initially, when did you start playing football? Uh, I started when I was at least seven, eight. You know, I was young, like flat football. So I started young. So were you already, you know, um, talented, I guess, in flag football at a young age? Or was it something that took a little bit of time for you to develop as you kind of learned the game? Always had the toughness for it, but the talent it took some time. 
So, skipping forward a few years, you end up at Long Beach Poly High School, where you attended high school, played football, um, did some indoor track. What was your experience at Long Beach Poly like? Uh, Long Beach Poly, first of all, is a great school. Um, it's one of the best schools in the nation, especially when you talk about athletic-wise. Um, I know we definitely have like, the top five most NFL players to come out of any high school, so it's definitely a school made for um, scholars and champions, which is our motto. It's, um, yeah, so Long Beach Poly, like, it's, it's just... Now, at Long Beach Poly, how did you feel you played, and how did you feel that the school, I guess, set you up for the next level? right on that and I guess talking about the recruiting process after high school what was that kind of like for you and why was Malone University your initial best fit okay so when it comes to recruiting um also ran track like you said it before so mm-hmm. that kind of sort of helped me out because I wasn't no five-star recruit in football not, not nothing like that so it track really kind of did help me out with my recruiting process and Malone was one of the um, schools that really offered me a track and then I also had a football offer too so I kind of got you know more scholarship money for uh, the country football so you know it was really that was, it was my main decision about the loan was just one the more you know scholarship money so you went to Malone how would you describe your experience at Malone um well coming from California to Ohio it was uh, it was definitely different um know the weather the the culture the people but you know Malone's also is a, is a great school and and I, I, I loved it there now then you end up at Livingstone College where you ended up finishing out your college so what was Livingstone like and what I guess was the transition from Malone to Livingstone also I went to um after Malone I went to a junior college for a year played football there and then I went to Livingstone College oh Now, you mentioned, you know, football is football and bouncing around from, you know, Ohio, you know, and then kind of being back in California. What, I guess, is 
been the biggest lesson you've learned from getting to play from different programs, from playing with um, NFL talented coaches in Long Beach to playing at two great universities, playing junior college? What is, I guess, the biggest lesson you've been able to pull away? feel that that is uh, a sentiment shared by a lot of people who have come on the show and that are football people that you know you really football is football and structure is definitely key and that's very interesting to hear that Long Beach actually had the more community aspect than some of the universities which as you said it definitely makes sense because the high school do you feel that I guess learning from two um, or actually a few NFL players who were now coaching you do you feel that that kind of instilled the community more than rather at some universities Livingstone, you ended up with 14 receptions for 179 yards and two scores through the, your two, your two years time span there. Obviously, I guess on the surface from a production standpoint, it may not look like a ton, but I actually went and watched some of your film from Livingstone and I've got to say, and this is a shout out to you and anybody listening who's looking for a big body receiver, but you absolutely mossed some of those kids. You were literally dominating on the field. So I guess my question for you is, you the tape shows it. You are a physical specimen, and you're a talented wide receiver. So I guess why is the production not as high as what the talent truly is there? Um, well, it kind of went back to, uh, I guess even though we wasn't really always a pass-first team, so I, I definitely did a lot more blocking. Like you said, I was like a, type of receiver so I did a lot more blocking um but really it was just you know we had a lot of we had a lot of receivers and everybody really had a chance to go ahead and play and shine because it was the gap level of talent wasn't really large so some weeks you know it might be um so and so time to shine and other weeks it might be my time to shine and we always we had a um 
a close brotherhood as receivers, so we never got jealous or we never, like, if, if somebody, you know, came in for us and we was having a down game, you know, we were like, hey, go in there, you know, pick me up, go do your job. So it, it kind of, you know, one of those type of situations where, you know, it's not one person really, which not one receiver at that school really would, you know, having all the stats, I guess. That definitely makes a lot of sense and explains, I guess, the um, production where it was at. But from a talent standpoint, it's evident that you are a talented wide receiver and honestly a talented receiver as a whole. And I say that as a whole because it seems like you could also be a very good fit as a tight end in some offenses. So I guess my question is, if you project to the next level, where would you see yourself being a best fit? Do you see yourself being a best fit at wide receiver, tight end, or maybe even somewhere else? Um, well, hey, that's probably, you know, a question I'm still trying to figure out today. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I train a lot as a receiver all these years. And, and you know, I, as, a, as a, you can't say tight end, you know, but that's more towards, okay, running routes and stuff. Like, yeah, I can do running routes, and I can probably be easier for me to get open. Where I'm going to route against linebackers and certain things, you can right there that can be. But there's a lot more to tight ends than just, oh, I can't just go out there and be a fat tight end every down. I have to go ahead and block a DN who might be 300 some pounds, and I'm only, you know, 225. So that might be a little problem. So when you think of that aspect of, of the whole game, you know, I might, um, obviously, it might actually be a little better fit because. Like I said, I can be dominant against uh, a cornerback. And, you know, I'm more physical than them. I'm the only more bigger than most cornerbacks that really go against. Rather than me having to struggle to go ahead and block a defensive end, you know, somebody who's just a lot bigger than me and stuff like that. So you take all that in that aspect, I think receivers might actually be the way to go. Now, looking at some of those plays that I I mentioned in uh, the open there a little bit, but um, looking at some of those plays where that mismatches were really obvious against some of these college corners. So looking at those plays, what kind of stands out to you as your best skill and I guess your best NFL kind of transitional skill? Now, being a free agent during COVID is obviously going to have its challenges because the XFL was going on, but now has been postponed till 2022 or 2021, I believe. But with that being postponed, with arena football and and the CFL kind of being in a unique spot, and the NFL only having so much options because of the COVID testing protocol, how has that made your free agent process been like? Opportunity comes, you gotta just go ahead and be ready for it. 
And, you know, it's just adversity. That's really all it is. And all you can do is just wait and then be ready. Now, that waiting has given you a lot of time to, I guess, refine your game and really get ready for when these leagues get back up full steam and have that opportunity to show up and show out. So with all this time on your hands to refine your skills physically and mentally, what would you say is the aspect of your game that you're working on most at this point in time? That's pretty funny. I didn't even realize you and Juju were teammates because looking at comps for you when I was watching your film, two guys stuck out to me, um, a former NFL receiver, Brandon Marshall, and actually Juju Smith-Schuster because I felt like the physicality you kind of played with is reminiscent to more more what Juju had when he was at USC, but kind of still what Juju shows flashes of. So with that relationship with him, how has that helped you, I guess, kind of prep for, you know, seeing what he's gone through with the NFL? What has that kind of taught you towards heading that way? It's, uh, you know, it's kind of motivation, you know, seeing someone you play with be so successful. Um, it is, like I said, like, it's, it, I always thought we had such a tight brotherhood. And so, you know, it's just somebody I can pretty much, you know, count on to where if I had a question, I go ahead and talk to him. And he always gonna be real with me, and so it's watching him is is motivation, and really it just helps me, you know, get through the struggles like like this time really like the waiting period, you know, seeing him go through what I see him go through high school and college, you know, he always had a work ethic to where like I'm outwork anybody, and that really rubbed off on me, and that's helping me really right now through all this waiting moment. Now. Going to Long Beach Poly, and I keep hitting this, but one big thing that I've heard from a lot of draft prospects, NFL players, coaches, is iron sharpens iron. And you've reiterated the fact that being in a place where a Super Bowl champion had been coaching you and NFL talents and a school that produces so much NFL talent, how did that really help you right away kind of dive right into the fire of having to compete to earn every rep, whereas there's kids from other high schools that can coast through, put up these huge numbers, and then get to college and not know what to do because they didn't have that competition. So what did that competition kind of do to foster your skills as a player? Uh, it made you, one, it made you um, like mentally tough. Uh, and two, like it just, it helps you, you know, uh, competing with, you know, with the Juju Smith, the uh, Iman Marshalls, Jacket Jones, um, you know, some people, um, great players that I play with. Um, you know, it, it is, it teaches you that, you know, hey, you can't really have an off day. You can't have too many off days, you know, and I'm like, not everybody can be perfect. You can have too many off days, so that's how, you know, you can go lower in that chart. You know, so it teaches you, know, to pretty much bring your A game every practice. Now, looking back to high school and your childhood and even in college, what was your fanhood tied to, I guess? So what was your favorite team through that time? Um, when I was little, I started off being a Philadelphia Eagles fan. 
uh, I was a big was a big Deshaun Jackson fan who also came out of Long Beach Poly. So that's the main reason why I kind of like the Eagles. Um, but then, you know, kind of um, growing up, kind of through a, more like when I was in high school and stuff, I became more of a Steelers fan. So that's what I am right now. So it is kind of ironic that Juju ended up, you know, being drafted to the Steelers too. So maybe even more of a bigger Steelers fan. <laughs> so seeing the Steelers this season, and this talking, I guess, a bigger NFL standpoint, obviously having a former teammate on that team, but seeing this team this season kind of rebound after Big Ben was out last year and that defense is pretty fully healthy this year, one of the best defenses you could say on paper in the past 10-15 years, looking at that team, a team you're a big fan of, how far do you see the Steelers going this year? Uh, I feel like they're definitely going to be a playoff team. You mean you're talking about somebody who who loses some of their best weapons last year. And, and first of all, you know, we got to shout out Mike Thomas. You know, he's a great coach. You know, there's a lot of people who can't do what he do. I mean, I don't think the man that really had a good season. And for him to go on 508-8 last year when, you know, his team was riddled with injuries and it just showed you how great he is as a coach and how great that team really is. So I definitely see them being a playoff team. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to outbeat now looking at your future and i do completely agree with you tomlin is a phenomenal head coach and uh, that steelers team is scary but talking about your future where do you see yourself within five years That's a very, very good way to look at things. So I guess with the XFL potentially coming back next year, CFL, AFL coming back, are those the outlets you're going to look to once football's back? Or is it really just a, whoever gives me the opportunity, you're giving me the opportunity, and you're just going to run with it at this point? Yeah, it's more, you know, about who really going to give me the opportunity. And, and my opportunities are going to come, you know, it's just about making the best out of them. excited to see that and talking to you it's pretty evident you have a plethora of football knowledge and you know you mentioned not having a plan b necessarily but has there been a part of you that's thought about potentially coaching because genuinely talking to you it sounds like you could make a pretty solid coach uh not really uh i know my dad really was into coaching and he i think he wanted me to um get into coaching but i never really got into it you know it's not something i really am into now, looking at your long, long term, and this is a question I ask everybody who comes on this show, but when it's all said and done, who do you, Davon Howard, want to be, and what do you want your legacy to be? Um, somebody who, you know, I want to be someone, you know, somebody looks up and be like, I want to be like him. You know, I, yeah, I didn't go to, you know, USC, Clemson. I came pretty much from the bottom, and I made it. And when I do make it, I want to give back to my community, give back to kids who who don't, who pretty much was in my predicament, you know, small school kids 
or kids who, you know, even some high schoolers who really are underdeveloped. I want to help them achieve their dreams in life. Well, that is a phenomenal answer, and I am excited to see what you can do once uh, your more opportunities are open to you and once someone finally opens that door, because I am sure, just from looking at your film, that once that door is open, I don't think you're going to be turning back. I think you have a very, very, very good shot at making an impact on professional football at some point. So excited to see what you can do, Davon, and looking at where other people can check you out, can you tell the people where they can find you on social media? Um, really, I'm really on Instagram the most. You can follow me at um, one Cali Boy for real. That's the number one Cali Boy, uh, the number four, and then real. Um, I'm really on Instagram the most. If you want to contact me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he is a physical specimen, hardworking, versatile, and driven. He will not take no for an answer, and he is on a pathway to the NFL, a future star, a current free agent. So if you're looking for a wide receiver, go out and pick this guy up. Ladies and gentlemen, Davon Howard. Thanks again, man. My thanks to Davon Howard for coming on. It was a phenomenal conversation. He is a incredible talent. If you are looking for an under-the-radar prospect to kind of watch just to see what he brings to the table, and if you're a scout listening to this, check out his film. You heard how just smart and devoted he is to the game of football, and he is a wide receiver you want in your program. A great guy and excited to see how he uh, fares in the future once this pandemic is over and he can get to play in some professional football again. If you want to find more episodes of Ambitious, check us out wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, you know the drill. And if you want to find us on Instagram, it's at Ambitious Podcast, Twitter, at Ambitious with DP, YouTube, Ambitious with Dylan Price, and we will be back next week with another ambitious episode.